You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurelien Motien. I'm here today with Andy Culligan, CMO at Litfeeder. How are you today, Andy? Doing well, doing well, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Very good. And our discussion today will be about how to align sales and marketing. A sensitive topic, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and you're a CMO, so we will see if you if you got any if you take any party or if you if you you know if you kind of meet in the middle. We we will discuss that in a minute. But but before we go into a conversation, can you please introduce yourself in a little bit more details as well as your company leader? Yeah, no worries. So as you mentioned, my name is Andy Culligan. I'm an Irishman living in Vienna because I've been living in Austria for for eleven years now. So my main focus is connecting the dots between sales and marketing teams. That's typically what yeah. I do. That's something that I specialize in. And that's why it was interesting at Leadfeeder for me to come on board as well. So I've been with Leadfeeder now for uh, since December of last year. So I'm coming into my eighth month. And what I typically do is, is, is align all of the marketing efforts back into the sales efforts, which we'll start talking about now in a couple of minutes when we're talking about alignment between sales and marketing orgs. My background is actually in sales. So I find that if there's, there are some marketers that do start with, with the background in sales and that those that I have spoken to have really benefited when trying to align sales and marketing teams to have understood what's happening over the other side of the fence. Yeah. Um, typically, a lot of marketers just go straight into marketing after doing a marketing degree. So my background is I did a marketing degree. I went straight into an SDR role, uh, did SDR work for nearly two years. Like every other SDR, I had my ups and downs, wanted to shoot myself in the face some days because it's <laughs> so difficult. Whereas other days, you know, completely on top of the world because you manage to get so many connects. It's, it's a real tough job, you know. Then I've been in account management. Then I've, <clears throat> I've specialized in it. So after, after being in sales, then I went to specialize again in marketing, more focusing on email marketing systems um, in the early days of email. So myself and a colleague, we actually built an email marketing system that we used in order to sell. So it was like there was always a sales, sales element to it. And then I, I then became a champion at a company for Marketo. So then I really learned the ropes around marketing automation. Then digital marketing came on board as well as offline marketing events and so on. So I, I started working like across EMEA in a marketing role. And then after that, I went into the tech industry. And in the tech industry, I've been sort of lead generation to my generation focus now for the past seven, eight years. So... That's my Sounds background. Like you started your career sixty years ago. You look so young and so fresh. If you wanted to know what I've done, man, I've done all types of jobs. I, I like it. Gym, member, gym memberships on the street on commission in December in Ireland, one thousand euros per gym membership, only being paid on commission in December in the rain in Dublin. Wasn't this is a good time to get gym membership, though. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, so like. So I've done every type of my job at Leadfeeder now, like you yes, asked what, what we do at Leadfeeder. So at Leadfeeder, we, we recognize the, the visitors that are coming to your site. So typically most companies will only convert, when I say convert, people come to a website, fill out a form, give you their details. Only 2% of, of your visitors will actually do that typically, right? Yeah. Some companies are converting at 3%, you're doing a great job, right? But still though, that still means out of every 100 people that are coming to your site, you're only really getting the details of three of them if you're doing a fantastic job, right? Mm -hmm. So lead feeder, what we do is we fill the gap there. So right. we recognize the rest of the traffic as well as the traffic that's converted, but the rest of the traffic that's coming, what pages they've been looking at, how long they've been on the site for, 
how many people from that specific company have come. And what you can do with that information as a company is really see those high intent leads. So companies which are coming to your site, which are interacting with a lot of content, which maybe haven't been filling out forms, so you haven't recognized who they are, but you still see, hey, this company has been looking at my pricing page. They've been looking at XYZ product pages. I can, I can then drill into where that company or where that, that visitor is from. So you can really understand, okay, this specific location, and then you drill into the user personas from that specific location that you typically sell to, and then do your outreach as a salesperson to them. So we really show that first-party data, uh, high-intent data. So data that you own, which shows intent to purchase from you. And that's what we do. So really a tool of prioritization for the SDR. So instead of starting from A, B, C, D in your list, you're just going to go on the people that have looked at your website that may be in a better position to buy or at least have an interest around your stuff. For sure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Perfect. Well, thanks for that, Andy. So um, marketing and sales alignment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so always an interesting topic, as we mentioned. Everybody speaks about it. Sounds like account base, marketing and all that. But only a few organizations get it right. Okay. Uh, and I think it, it, it depends on lots of things personally. I believe, you know, personalities can get involved, clash of personality. Uh, size of the organization, but also the leadership. I think the leadership can also bridge the gap sometimes between sales and marketing. We've seen it many times where KPIs are just simply not aligned with each other. So it makes things very difficult. But in your, in your opinion, why is it so important to, to have that alignment between sales and marketing? And, and where are people failing in making it work? Okay. So then we need to start with the why. So the why, as you just mentioned, so the most important reason why is, is because if, if you don't have alignment between both of those orders, they're going to go off and do two different things. Mm-hmm. So it's inefficient, actually. It's inefficient to be non-aligned between sales and marketing to have misalignment. Um, so what will, ha- what will typically happen is, and this is, a, this is a thing which I see quite a bit across organizations, is that sales will say, uh, I'm just going to ignore the leads that are coming in from marketing because they're shit anyway. You know, you hear that. You hear that all the time. Ah, those marketing leads are shit. They're not qualified. They're not good companies. Yeah. I'm not I that interested. One last week, and he was not good. So the rest must be bad. Exactly. Exactly. So I think there needs to be like so so simple like simple rule set between marketing and sales is like just the communication alone on that. So yes, I understand it from a sales perspective where they say, "Hey, the leads that I'm getting in aren't aren't good quality." Right. My typical response to this is, as a marketer, I say, "Well." What's the percentage of leads that I'm giving to you out of all the leads that you're getting from a marketing team? What's the percentage which are bad? And the typical, like what I've had in the past is I'll hear like, you know, like, oh, probably like 35, 40% of the leads that I get are just crap. And I say, that is fantastic news because I expect 60% of the leads that you get that you should be getting should be crap. So like typically like, it's, it's, it's like, it's known across like at benchmarks you should be focusing on is like 60% of stuff you're probably going to end up in sales queues aren't stuff that you're going to be able to use. It might fit into a right industry. It might fit into your ISP, but it may not be like, or your ICP. It may not be ready to buy. There might be many reasons. It may not be the right person, whatever it might be. And 60% of those will never convert. Whereas 40%, is stuff that the sales team can probably move forward with. But you're always going to remember as a salesperson or as a person generally, human beings will always remember the crap that you've gotten. You always remember, yeah. hey, you know, this level, I, I got this in last week and oh, that was terrible. But I also, brought, I also got three other ones in that were brilliant. I'm not going to remember the brilliant ones. I'm going to remember the crappy ones because that's a human trait. That's just yeah, how it is, you know? I, I think so. And what, what's the expectations in terms of qualification? Because that's the other thing. I mean, sometimes we 
and and, it, and I appreciate there is a spectrum here. Okay, so uh, I, I think I believe that you know, based on on, on knowing you guys at Leadfeeder and all that, I would expect your sales cycles to be relatively swift, smooth, yeah. and short. People yeah. either want it or don't want it. You are not really intrusive. You can get plug plug and play. You don't cost tens of thousands per month of maintenance of whatever of cost of ownership and all that. So you 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 must have a pretty straightforward, pretty quick, pretty sales cycle with lots of velocity basically and people may be you know qualifying in or qualifying out but then you've got the other spectrum where people will sell multi-million dollar deals and stuff like that where obviously it's probably much even more difficult to produce leads in in, in the sense of the the leads and the opportunity so how does that work in terms of qualification from your perspective do you think there is a sliding scale do you think the expectation of sales should change Based on, you know, if there are an account manager with 20 accounts versus a salesperson that is managing a patch of 5,000 accounts, I mean. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, like, I come from both worlds. So, prior to my time at Leadfeeder, I'd, I'd been in that space of enterprise or mid, upper mid-market to enterprise sales. So, when we first met, already, yeah. like, I've been working at a company. <laughs> I was working at a company called Exponia. And at Exponia, we were focused on on working with like the biggest retailers across the, across the globe and tough selling sales. them in a marketing. Exactly. Really tough sales, long sales cycles. So you could be anywhere nine to 12 month sales cycles. With the bigger retailers, you'd be talking about 18 to 24 month sales cycles. Average deal size, you're probably like with the smaller, like let's say mid-market size retailers, you're talking about a minimum of like 100K a year. And then... The, the the larger size you're looking up to sort of million dollar per year contracts. So for the enterprise size retailers. So like the, the, there will be variations there. Like what, what I tried to do or what we tried to do during that time was just try to simplify it as much as possible. So like you asked me if there was some form of lead qualification that we like that, that like that changes based on if it's enterprise or not. Like you're always going to have some level of automated qualification, okay? Which is going to help you like sift through immediate warning signs that quality is poor, okay? So you can use various tools for that. You can do, you can use like data appending tools such as BuiltWit or eData Source or a number of different tools, which will basically tell you, hey, things like are people that have just down something from us or interacted with us. Are they using a competitor technology to what we offer? So during my days back at Exponia, what we would look at, hey, are they using a Marsis? Are they using a Salesforce Marketing Cloud? Are they using Adobe Marketing Cloud? Are they using something that's a competitor technology to us? If yeah. they were, then that would be a first sign to say, this is interesting. Second sign would be, would have to be then a human touch. And that's where an SDR comes in. You're going to have to have some level of human interaction on leads from an SDR, um, if you if you try to automate everything, you will for sure start uh, having like really leaky funnel, and you'll end up not not being able to follow up on leads that count because leads will fall through gaps basically. So mm-hmm. you need to probably have the way that we did it was that we had uh, like the SDRs reported into marketing, which first of all, if we're talking about marketing and sales alignment, that worked really well for me. It, it took up a huge amount of my time managing an SDR team because the SDR team are super difficult to manage and they're all very young and they all don't want to be SDRs. But with that though, it allowed me to make sure that anything that my marketing guys were bringing in was immediately getting looked at by the SDRs because I could control that entire process. Makes sense. Now the SDRs, they were like, 
because when I first started, they weren't getting that many leads. And then my focus is truly lead generation. I started pumping leads at them. Too many leads for them to handle almost, right? And then we started to have to bring in further qualification. But the, the one thing, if you ask about qualification is if you're selling an enterprise sales, you need to make sure there's one level of, of automated qualification. My opinion on lead scoring is it's fine, but don't depend on your lead scoring model because typically, let's say, for example, let's take for, let's say, for example, somebody's going into an RFP and they're doing the research and you happen to be one of the smaller vendors in the market and they end up falling onto your website and they end up looking at a couple of things, downloading a couple of ebooks during the research but they haven't been doing much stuff up until then and they're rushing to get everything in place for an RFP, you may miss out if you put them into a lead scoring thing to say that they'll only get contacted when they get over a threshold of so many points, for example, right? Things like that. So like I wouldn't be, lead scoring is fine. I had a boss in the past though, at a Marsis that told me if I ever mentioned lead scoring to him again, he'd fire me. (laughs) We didn't use use lead scoring. So I, uh, I think like my advice would be if you're selling to that to that upper or sort of enterprise level sales you need to have a couple of layers so automated layer and then a human layer of qualification SDRs then to be almost like hungry dogs and 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 like to be given a couple of bones in terms of good quality leads but they're still going to have to sift through some level of you know unqualified stuff but that's always going to be part of the job always sure yeah that makes sense that makes sense so coming back to the alignment, so if there is no alignment between sales and marketing, who would you say is to blame? Leadership. 100% yeah. leadership. 100% of the time, marketing and sales don't talk to one another because marketing and sales leaders don't talk to one another. Oh, you mean, so it's not the leadership above them. So you don't say it would be a CFO or CEO. It would be, it would be actually the, the CMO and the CRO technically not engaging with each other they're they're not on the same page so it starts so in my experience would be it starts off with a with a mutual agreement it starts off with a mutual agreement between marketing and sales at the very top so what would happen is you'd sit in a boardroom and you'd look at your you'd look at your targets for the corresponding year and sales and marketing should say whoever's running the sales org let's say the, the chief revenue officer and then whoever's running the marketing org the cmo would sit down together and say okay we're creating the targets together for next year and this is how much I'm going to help your guys populate their pipeline with. And that for me in the past has been, you know, during the Exponia times, it was like I sat down with Hugh, who was the VP of sales and I was the VP of marketing. And uh, we would decide on a number and based on, you know, this is the number that we need to grow by next year, which means we need to open up this amount of pipeline. Marketing can help contribute towards the pipeline. Whether or not it's this much or this much depends on whether or not I take on the, the, the SDR team. Then we came up with a very simple attribution model. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple to say whether or not we would say something has been created by marketing or sales when, um, by in, in opportunity. So what we would do is every week, we'd go and look at every single new business opportunity which was created and yeah. understand the lead up to that opportunity actually being created. And then understand if it was actually sales self-generated or if it was something to do with marketing or the SDR group on, their, on uh, from an inbound perspective or an outbound perspective. And then based on that, we had some very top level percentages. For example, when I was using, when I had the SDR team, I would promise back to you, say, I'm going to deliver 70% of your pipeline yeah. because the SDR team should be booking meetings with those target accounts. And uh, we, from a marketing perspective, should also be doing our, our marketing campaigns towards those accounts. So we did an uh, account-based marketing um, initiative as well. So 
what we would do is then we'd make sure there'd be touch points in each of those accounts. Then we'd, we'd have a discussion, myself and you, like we're not talking about a thousand opportunities a week. We're talking about maybe 40. Look into each of those yep. opportunities, say, okay, that came in because there was an X, XYZ ebook download plus an SDR follow-up plus the SDR was trying to reach out to that account for XY, XYZ amount of time. And you could say, okay, what we're doing from the marketing and, and SDR side is working. Therefore, this is populating into your sales team's pipelines. Yeah, makes sense. So speaking about the SDR, what do you believe is their role in the, in the sales and marketing alignment? And also, who do you think they should report to, sales or marketing? So that's, that's a good question. So in terms of how important their role is, I think their role generally is like, it's, it's a really important role within any organization because they are the next line of attack when it comes to lead generation. So like mm -hmm. marketing will do the job and bring in a lead. Then the SDR is the one that's really, you know, it's up to them to really get it up to the next level in terms of getting into a meeting book. Without SDR teams, you're going to have a lot of account executives sitting on their hands with not enough uh, times booked in their calendar to speak with prospects. So I think from that perspective, the, the SDR team is really important. From the, from the alignment perspective, uh, how do SDRs fuel that alignment? Well, they're the ones that they're sort of like the middleman between the, the, the marketing team and the account executives. So if you have that, typically in, in the business that you just mentioned in, in enterprise sales, you'd have an SDR team which would be populating the calendars of the, of the, of the account executives. At Leafeeder, we don't quite have that. Like we, we just have one layer. There's, you know, marketing stuff goes directly to sales and then sales to direct outreach. And that's it because it's quicker velocity, as you mentioned. But in the yeah. longer sales cycles, you're going to have to have SDRs there in the middle. SDRs will take the stuff that the marketing team are bringing in. They'll work it create it up to the next level, next level being a meeting booked, for example, and then that will then go across over to account executives, okay? So if something's not working there in the middle with the SDR team, the stuff that the marketing team are bringing in isn't gonna necessarily work, right? Or from the AE's perspective, the account executive's perspective, they're looking at stuff that's coming in from marketing, it's being handed over to the SDR team. It's not converting into meetings, so the AE's are thinking, what the hell are the marketing team doing? They're not, they're not populating my, my pipeline, you know? So like, in terms, of, in terms of how important the SDR role is in that alignment piece, massively important. In terms of who they should report into, it depends on who has you know, the, the patience and time to get them up to that level. Like, I think if you look at it from that perspective, what I, the way that I just mentioned, but I'm also biased, I think it's a good idea to have them report into marketing. Because the sale, if, if somebody is on top of a sales org, chief revenue officer, they're not going to have a good overview of the stuff that's coming in from the inbound perspective. And they don't really care. They just want to see the stuff turn into pipeline and turn into revenue. That's yeah. what they should be concerned about. That's why chief marketing officer is there to make sure that lead gen is working, demand gen is working, all of their outbound stuff is working, et cetera, et cetera. So you've, like, you've got that piece yeah. to know, hey, if I'm bringing in leads, are they getting a follow-up, right? I've got an overview of that as a CMO. If they're not getting followed up, would I see it, right? On top of that, you also want to control the message. So typically, like one of the one of the pain points that I've had in the past is if you don't have good alignment between marketing and sales, what happens is sales start create their own messaging, which doesn't necessarily fit in line with what marketers want to say about the company, right? Now, there's many reasons why that could be like why that's happening, but one of the reasons that I've seen in the past is because they think, okay, I don't agree with the marketing message and therefore I'm going to go off my own tangent and therefore I'm going to sell a different product to what I think, what the, what the actual product is, right? What happens then is you have this like chain of events further down the line that you're maybe not able to deliver what's being promised. 
and uh, that causes issues across a number of different teams from from customer success to consultants to et cetera, et cetera, whatever, how many layers you have in your company after the sale happens. So it's it, it's like almost, you know, if, if an SDR is, is creating their own messaging and promising something that the product can't deliver, it has, you know, major side effects then a bit further down the funnel. Yeah. And what about the role of CEOs, CFOs in the, in the alignment between sales and marketing? Do you think they can play they can play a role, do you, do you, you know, from the recruitment to, to the engagement, to setting up the rules of engagement. But what's, what's their responsibility in making sure there is no break or no bridge between, a, between both functions? So let's start with the CEO. Like I, I think from a CEO's perspective, yeah, they need to hire the right people to do it. So like if, if you're looking for advice for CEOs that are hiring a CMO, because typically you'll have a, a chief revenue officer there already before you hire a CMO, or you'll have somebody that's managing the revenue side of things before you go to the chief marketing officer direction. Um, a couple of things I'd look out for would be, does that person have experience in sales themselves? Do they understand the pain points from the sales org? Yeah. You know, what, what are their typical KPIs? Things like, so do they, do they understand what, what the KPIs of the sales organization are and how, how well do they align their efforts towards what the sales organization are doing? So if, like it, as, as, as you would offer uh, or you'd ask somebody in a sales interview to give you a 30, 60, 90 day plan, you should also ask the same of a specific marketer to do that, to do the, the exact same. And also yeah. look out for, for, for signs like in the early stages, is that person asking you about your revenue targets for the year? Is, uh, are, they, are they interested in understanding how well marketing are delivering back towards those revenue targets right now? What are those numbers looking like? You know, what, what, what's the typical, like questions that they could ask is what's your typical sales cycle? Are we talking about 60, 90 days? What are we talking about here? Is it a six month sales cycle? Like typical questions that you would be asked of within an interview from a, when you're hiring a sales role, typically. Um, that would be good initial signs that that marketer has been aligning themselves to the sales organization before in the past. As well as that, you should be asking them about their relationship with the current head of sales, wherever they are. So how, so one typical question would be how often do you speak with the other head of sales and what are you guys talking about? As I mentioned, it doesn't need to be rocket science, but it needs to be a pipeline review of every opened new business opportunity from X amount of time and having like a pipeline council almost to understand where the pipeline is coming from and how can they double down to get more of that type of pipeline in, right? Yeah. So, so things like that, you could see that, that if, they, if they are having those conversations, like they could say, the reason why I say ask them what are they discussing on that particular call is because people can lie and say, oh yeah, I speak with the head of sales all the time. But then, okay, so what are you guys talking about? Well, we're speaking about where opportunities are sourcing from and whether those opportunities can be attributed to marketing or sales and getting feedback from the sales org in terms of what's working, what isn't working. Etc. Yeah. Um, so, like, so from a CEO's perspective, the hiring is the most important part because typically the CMO will have to report to the CEO. Just look out for those signs in terms of are they actually well aligned to 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 a sales org? From like an ongoing perspective, management perspective, I think CEO should always make sure that amongst the troops that everything is going well, right? And a CEO will see within the revenue side of things, if things are moving in the right direction or not, right? Like, they, you, like if, if things are growing, then you can be pretty sure that the CRO and the CMO are working well together. If things okay. are not growing, then there's an issue somewhere you need to go investigate. But I don't think the CEO needs to be holding hands between the CRO and the CMO. It needs to be no. built 
within them to go and do it themselves. Yeah. The CFO, CFO is important in, in the way that the CFO will be, will be, will and should be involved in any discussions around revenue growth and how much it costs to get to that revenue growth. Because marketing are going, going to go out and spend and you're going to have three people involved in that conversation. You're going to have the chief revenue officer who's, you know, main target is obviously revenue growth. The CMO who's, whose main target should be aligned to that revenue growth. And then both of those guys are going to be going and speaking with the CFO saying how much money they need to get there. And typically the marketer will need money for programs, maybe yeah. some headcount. The CRO will need money for headcount. Yeah. And both of them are working together to say, okay, CRO says, okay, we need to grow by, let's say 5% per month. Therefore, I need to hire this amount of people. Then the CMO says, okay, in order for us to grow by that 5% per month, then what we need to do is bring in X amount of leads. In order for it to get those X amount of leads, we need to make the investments here, here, and here. Here's how much the investment's going to be. Does that mean that our customer acquisition costs are going to be okay? Conversations going back and forth between CRO and CMO. And then when you get that plan together, you're typically going to the CFO and discussing those plans together. And he'll say, okay, or she'll say, okay, we have budget to do that, or we need to go for another round of investment, whatever it might be. But okay. the CFO would work in that type of capacity in a sort of advisory capacity in terms of if it will work from a money perspective to hit the targets the CMO and the CRO are setting. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Well, it's uh, it's uh, it's a lot of insight. So thank you very much. And yes, yeah, so that's for for the audience to take away today. Uh, if anyone's if anyone sorry wants to get in touch with you, ask you any further question, understand a bit more about lead feeder, or, or just want to have a chat with you, what's the best way to connect and so the best way to get lead feeder is leadfeeder.com. You can sign up mm-hmm. for a free trial. We've got a two-week free trial there. You, all you need to do is just add a, a small snippet code to, to the header of your site, and then you're, you're good to go. You're tracking leads that are coming to your site. Yeah. Me personally, if you want to reach out to me directly, the best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So you find me, Andy Culligan. So that's uh, Andy with a Y, and then C-U-L-L-I-G-A-N. Um, and yeah, just feel free to reach out, and I'll be happy to have a conversation. I'm very active Perfect. on LinkedIn. So. So that's great. Thank you very much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Andy. Thanks, mate. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.